Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome back to another session of the Doctor's Lab with Dr. Khalid, our brother, Dr. Khalid Green, and myself, brother, Dr. Abdul Haq Baker. Today, I want to discuss with Brother Khalid and he with me a very, very important um, subject that I think some feel have been neglected um, within the Muslim communities. And those outside of the Muslim community, non-Muslims, particularly black non-Muslims, have um, had critiques of Salafi uh, Muslims, particularly uh, black Salafi Muslims, in, uh, in the area of eschewing former identities, um, who we were, abandoning of cult previous cultures and the like. So I think that this is an important subject um, to discuss with um, my brother, Dr. Khalid Green, and we're going to look at various angles um, here. Walaikum salam rahmatullahi wa to all of you who have joined us um, today. And um, one of the last posts about Salafir being the best thing for black people, we're going to look at that a little bit later on. Walaikum salam, Sister Shireen, um, Brother Muhammad, and salam alaikum, Dr. Khalid, Brother Khalid. Walaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Hayyakum Allah. It's a pleasure to be back on the doctor's lab, you know, to get engaging. Let's, let's do it. Let's go forward. Definitely. Walaikum salam, Sister Malahat. Jazakallah khair. So, Khalid, what I want to do first, we're talking about black identity, identity and Salafism, and I'm going to hone it in a little bit, but I want to refer to a more general um, reference that is, is um, said by many uh, religious and a-religious um, from, a, from a liberal perspective when we're talking religious and obviously non-religion, a non-religious context. And here it's about religion being used to perpetuate anti-black racism. Now, an author called Paul Harvey, and I'm talking only here, he's referring to a Christian perspective, but I'm bringing this quote because you hear individuals saying that and you hear them saying that about Islam as well regarding culture, black culture particularly. And he says here, like I, I paraphrase and I'll quote him, blackness as per its historical construct can be tied to religion within the context of slavery. Paul Harvey argues that as many black people began converting to Christianity, blackness was created as a contrast to whiteness to ensure that black people remained in a state of perpetual servitude, ensuring that even post-conversion, white people could maintain their view of superiority. And that was um, from a book for, from his um, Through the Storm, Through the Night, A History of African-American Christianity, 2011. Now, if we took that quote, and we removed Christianity and we placed it and we put this, we replaced that with Islam. Some would say that this fits that, that particular context with Islam, because what we've seen with black Muslims and we're talking converts, particularly in the West, um, is that there's been an almost subjugating effect on that rebellious nature of the black identity post-conversion. Also, some would say that there's been a denial of blackness and our identity by embracing uh, not only Islam, but Salafia. And they look at identity markers, and some of them are valid points as identity markers in what they saw. But we need to explain that context. Some of them point to identity markers. Like myself, when I became a convert, while I didn't feel I was eschewing or shunning my blackness, I felt that embracing uh, Islam and the Sunnah was obscured 
in part and conflated with dressing in Arab garb, okay? So the way the gutra was what wore, that's the scarf, the white or the red um, uh, scarf. Some brothers even put on the, um, what's the ring? The egal. They, some egal. of them even put on the, put on the egal, yeah, it's, yeah. which is nothing to do with the sunnah. But we understood that the, the, um, wearing the scarf was how the Prophet ﷺ wore the scarf. I remember being told that specifically by Jordanian ulama. Um, so we, so we, we shunned any form of Western dress thinking that we were becoming more religiously astute in our identity. Some of us adopted the Tua Tuareg um, dress with the, the way the turban was wrapped and, 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 and um, those other examples there. So that outward identity marker pointed to some, um, or it was an indication for some that we were shunning our black identity. Was that correct? From their perspective, it was. But what was even more alarming, if I want to talk more intrinsically now, let's bring it more to recent times, the conversations that emanated during the George Floyd protests. And we saw black Muslims, some Salafi, castigating, chastising other black Muslims, Salafi and non-Salafi, for taking a stance on saying, this is wrong, what happened to George Floyd was wrong, speaking up about Black Lives Matter, the cause, not the movement, and they were even chastised for that. So that made others who were detractors from Islam, from the black communities, say they're not even in solidarity with their black communities. And to, an ele to a degree, Brother Khalid, in some respects, in some areas, that was true. Where you've got black Muslims basically saying this has got nothing to do with us, um, even though we're American or we're black Brits or we're living in the West, it's got nothing to do with us. And all the authentic narrations that I at about race and, and um, taqwa being the, the, the defining characteristic, all of those were being thrown into the mix to basically, I think, minimise or marginalise those voices that were saying, no, we are angry as black people, as Muslims as well, and we, we are in solidarity with the oppression against black people. So this is why I'm saying this discussion, black identity and Salafism, a socio-religious perspective, is very, very important now. And I'll hand over to you at this juncture. Jazakallah khair and Allah yubarak fikum. Yeah, well, you, you raised uh, uh, many questions. The thing of, uh, for one, especially us as reverts in coming to Islam, you know, we often find uh, uh, you, you, we do adapt the dress and the norms because we feel that this is the way, the enlightened path, so to speak. You know, there is a conformity there, meaning the enlightened path as far as the dress and taking every aspect of the culture and what have you. And what's interesting is I was reflecting on this before we came on, uh, you know, began this topic today uh, on your your um, your scale that you developed as far as the the stages of development. OK, in that you have that I, I think for a lot of us, you know, that was a part of that initial phase, mm. that initial phase. Our identity was found as Muslims through. Uh, you know, uh, you know, name change. No, you brother, you should change your name. Like instantly there's pressure from some of our brothers and sisters from 
from uh, you know that are, were born Muslim and so forth. Uh, you know, there's that that pressure to change your name, kind of begin to change your identity and so forth. And it's already a big, big leap moving away from a lot of our cultural norms and our our habits and stuff, especially those things that contravene Islam. So that is one aspect. That's one. Uh, that's a whole uh, big thing uh, that, that a big door we've opened. Also, in addition to that, especially for those of us who went overseas. You know, and as you said, you know, that we became Salafi or, you know, we went on the journey of seeking uh, knowledge and so forth. We began to uh, we began to uh, really uh, adopt even more so the, the, the cultural norms of the places we went to, whether it was making Hijra or whether it was going to seek knowledge. For example, myself in, in the U.S., I went to. Um, you know, initially going to Yemen. Well, I was very influenced, obviously, by Yemeni dress. When I came back to America, I used to wear my imama all the time and uh, and Izar, you know. And subhanAllah, the funny thing is when I got to Saudi Arabia, and I remember uh, when I first met my sheikh that I'm very close to, uh, he kind of whispered and gave advice to the another sheikh who had brought me there and said, you know, tell Khalid, you know, that, you know, you basically should adopt the way of the people. You know, my mm -hmm. thobe was a bit too short because the Yemenis, the Salafis in Yemen, you know, there's no doubt, you know, they literally, it's just like, you know, sometimes you see -year, yeah, 60 year old man and he's he's above mid knee, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, they're just below the knee. I mean, like ATA for real. And whereas Saudia, the, the even the scholars and so forth, they're, much, you know, it's just, bare, you know, sometimes barely above the ankle or a couple of inches above the ankle. It depends. So anyhow, anyhow, the point being is we began to take on a different identity. And I think there's a, a natural thing and there's not necessarily my biggest contention is when you begin to repulse, reject and uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, speak about in a negative way and look down on aspects of your former identity or your brothers and sisters who don't dress that same way and so forth. You know, so so that that's one issue. Then the second issue you mentioned about that and you mentioned about on the bigger scale, and I, I forgot, I, I kind of rambled on, but I'll hand it back over to you and, and oh, it'll jar yeah, as you, you're referring to that my cognitive development the, um, theory uh, framework, and yeah, you're you're absolutely right. We were at that founding stage and that idealistic stage where we we believed that our outward appearance and what we were emulating was an identity marker for us about the changes that we've made to our life, and and as you said, changing our names, and even when we had children, um, give, okay, giving Islamic names is one thing which is is not an issue whatsoever given arabized names or in the uk because of the books that were being translated pakistani names south asian names was the predominance and learning later and i've kept my um my um, former name marshall because i knew it would upset my parents not to but, and, but i'm also alhamdulillah my passport aka abdul haq baker so i have both names there anthony baker and abdul haq baker but that in itself learning later that you didn't need to do that so long as the name that you held wasn't something that was antithetical to Islam in meaning and, and import. So you're absolutely right, I think, around those areas. The second point, which you may have overlooked, I was mentioning, was with regards to 
how we stood societally besides um, mm. um, causes that in solidarity or not, as the case may be. Okay, and there was a big discussion during the George Floyd um, uh, protests and 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 um, incidents where, and even I raised that when black Muslims, Salafi or not, stand in solidarity with black causes of oppression, and there's a lot in America as we know. Okay, what you find is that non-black, not only black Salafi Muslims and black Muslims, particularly black Salafis, our, our fellow Salafis, uh, that other ethnicities, South Asian, Arab, they start coming in to basically drown out the voice of us black Muslims who are speaking up against that oppression by saying things like all lives matter, diminishing the argument, diminishing our status. But then yet when we speak about the Uyghurs, when we speak about Kashmir, when we speak about Palestine, you'll see that black voices join with them in those um, protest voices, if you like, um, the solidarity. And you don't hear our voices saying, all lives matter, why are you speaking about Palestine? So there's a, there's a conflict here. There's a dissonance that's taking place, which further mm. perpetuates black Muslims, Salafis particularly, black Salafis who are on this sort of um, uh, platform, say, no, no, there's racism, there's inherent racism that's taking place there. Um, and we don't want you diminishing our voices as we don't diminish your voices when these particular causes come about. But sadly, sadly, amongst our co-religionists of Salafis, black Salafis, you'll see that silence. You'll see that frowning upon um, fellow co-religionists who are taking that stance. And it's more vociferous, just like in the wider black community, not talking from Muslim context, that we are our own worst enemies. We've seen that. We don't support black businesses, for example. We're first to criticize um, our own um, ethnicities. We don't support leadership within our own ethnicities. Now, when you bring that within uh, a microcosmic context, whether it be Salafi or anything else, it becomes even more concentrated and toxic. Yeah, uh, I think, the, and, I, and I touched on this in my research as well, uh, you know, because I, I talked I, in the, uh, maybe the fifth chapter, I was discussing about, you know, how Salafis uh, interact as Muslim minorities, you know, being in societies where they're Muslim minorities. And I was looking at not just Muslim minorities, but I even took the case study of Yemen, uh, where Salafi, you know, would be in a minority or other Muslim states, but also in, uh, and of course, focusing more so on uh, the American case and possibly the UK. And and the thing is that I think, you know, embracing the da'wah to Ahlul Sunnah, you know, really trying to adhere to the Quran and the Sunnah and those principles of al-wala'u wal-bara, loving for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disdaining for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that there are a lot of issues that these are somewhat what we may term as fiqh nawazin. Yeah, uh, you know, these are like contemporary issues. Mm. How do we deal with this? So I think these are new issues um, to a greater or lesser extent, and especially in the contemporary context, 
you know, where we need guidance on what level of cooperation, what level of participation, uh, you know, because as many authors have have highlighted uh, from academics and us as Salafis ourselves, we know that, you know, our posture and what we have been taught more so is not to uh, engage, you know, to kind of be, as as the, most people view, apolitical and not, um, and I'm not encouraging being political, but I'm, you know, these are terminologies. So then we need to really define and define those parameters. So the point is, is we don't usually engage. We're worried about our micro, uh, hmm. our, our micro world, whatever, microcosm, I, I'm not sure of the term, you know, and, uh, you know, just about, okay, is my living halal, this and this and this, okay, I have to do this for work, and da-da-da, I'm going to be at the masjid, there's a daughter, da-da-da, you know, our world is kind of centered on that, and not what's going on in the greater society, and I think a lot more students of knowledge now, and some of the du'at, have learned that, and especially because those issues come to you, it's not that you can sit in the textbook, because I wrote something about this and was saying, you know, it's hard to know the level of participation and these will be things to explore and the scholars in the future and blah, 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 blah. But the reality is those major issues come and smack you in the face, like the Black Lives Matter, that there had to be some sort of, you know, where people had to kind of deal with it in some form or another. And especially those of, from those people, especially more so African-Americans and then those others who share that experience, Afro-Caribbean, what have you. Uh, but then it became so global that, that it came to the forefront. So we, you know, there had to be a true posture. I mean, we had to actually do something, take a position, take a stance. Whereas prior to that, most of us would have shunned that or just disregarded that. Even if we had those inner feelings, even if we had those discussions with those we feel comfortable with. Because I've heard people who are, I, I know someone who's hardcore Salafi pubs who only just recently accepted me back in his circle because we've only because we've known each other for so long. We have so many different positions about different scholars and that and the other. But when I listen to his rhetoric, you know, I see how, you know, he is very concerned about what's going on in America, even though he's a Mahajir for so long. And he's concerned about what what's happening to our sub uh, our micro culture as as in being an African American, uh, but it's just that tension there of the focal point of the ethnic uh, association versus that Islamic association. And regarding the point you made about the Palestinian cause, because I've thought about these things a lot, the Palestinian cause, the Uyghurs, and so forth, and how we join. I can you 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 know the the issue with that why that's a uh, someone if they wanted to counter argue or I could almost hear a lot of the scholars say the bottom line most of those are Muslim peoples and Muslim causes okay the Uyghurs the uh, uh, you know from Bang that are in Bangladesh now as immigrants the um, uh, I think from Sri Lanka the, the the I can't think of them they're they're uh, they're, they're ethnic Anger, yeah, and all of these groups, you know, they are a Muslim people, even though they have their cultures, and even though people may support them because it's a racial cause, we know the issues there. Let's support the Syrians. Oh, the Afghanis need houses. Bring them to America. I was at the masjid. 
But I was thinking when I listened to the brother, he was talking about how many Afghani families, he said about five families so far have settled here. This is in New Mexico in the Masjid in Albuquerque. And then I was thinking to myself, I said, well, how many, you know, African-American Muslim or just people, Muslims around here that are probably homeless that you don't even know. And I was shocked to hear some of the brothers in Seattle, you know, sisters with children living in their cars, you know, and, and different things. So they, alhamdulillah, they were able to get to her to a shelter. But how many more sisters and dying? Another sister I just heard about who died in a shelter with her kids who actually her, you know, it, it's just, you know, so, you know, the focus, the reality of the focus for most of our brothers and sisters, it's about their ethnic community. The Syrians uh, are worried about the Syrians. The Yemenis are worried about the Yemenis. It is, you know, there are others, you know, there are, I'm, I'm not trying to be blanket, but we just know that this is a lot of the reality. You know, they, they will get together, they'll protest downtown, all of these people. There's a cause, there's a thing for Palestine, you know, protest for Palestine and all this stuff like this. But there, you know, we still have just unfortunate, uh, you know, ripe racism right there on the ground in the masjid, in the masjid, outside the masjid, you know, no concern for your brothers and sisters. And the bottom line is we also have the issues of racism. And that goes back to, you know, uh, you know, we're human. We all have sin. We all have mistakes. We all have baggage. And we are a product of our society and our time. You know, we are Salafis. You know, in 2021, we're not Salafis uh, in, in the 1700s or 1500s or, you know, from the, uh, the, 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 the Salaf. You know, so we're affected by the ideologies, the context in which we are raised and so forth. So all of those things, they affect us in how we view the world. And, you know, Islam is there as that cure. But it's not easy for most people to really accept the cure or they will only see what you know take what they win we know sins are haram we know racism is bad but you if you listen to the, what comes out of the mouths of some of the people how many muslims i mean i've heard it i've witnessed it firsthand how many people you're the son of a black mother i had a yemeni tell me he almost got knocked out i would have knocked him into cyberspace but alhamdulillah it was the first day of ramadan and i it was cool how many times? I know a brother who was in the police station in Saudi Arabia in Jeddah. And then he, uh, the, the police captain said to him, you know, something black, you know, uh, you're, or you're an abd. And this was a big brother from Canada. <laughs> I was in Yemen with him. And he like almost reached over that countertop, over the counter. The point is, the reality is, is we're all infected by racism. To what extent? You know, there may be, there's a difference between prejudice, there's race, hatred. There's actually some people who hate you because your your skin and your culture and what have you. And then there's, you know, look at what happened in the UK. I'm going to end on this and let you turn it over to you. But your, your boy, um, Abu Hussein or whatever his name is. Uh, the guy, yeah, the guy who said, uh, you know, stop being black. Well, I don't think he was fully aware of the import of that, but that was a nasty statement that really he should have really you know i know people said he apologized and this and that and the other but you know you know you need to fess up that yeah i'm affected by racism this is just a reality we have some serious issues okay and, that, that's, and that's an important that's an important i'll stop there before i not too much some some, yeah. some some very important points you've highlighted there and i wanted to, to touch upon those um that abu hassanain thing 
I actually split some of us established brothers um, because the, from the South Asian community, they tried to explain away and defend him. Okay, and it was indefensible what he said, and even his apology, his apology was was not an apology. But yeah. coming back onto what you're saying about yes, racism, we know its presence, but let's let's hone back in now that with black identity and the Salafis, how is that dealt with? And what we've seen, like okay, the individual court said that you're uh, a beginner of Ramadan, son of a black woman. Let's be clear to the uh, the, the audience that I, I want you. No, no. Uh, uh, that, that's not an insulting statement because we're proud of our parents and our lineage. And but, I know but it was used as a, you know, it was used. And in fact, this was said to uh, one of the Sahaba, and, and then the Prophet rebuked the other Sahabi for saying the same exact statement. And, yeah, so what, yeah, exactly. So what, what Brother Khalid is saying, I think it was Bilal, Bilal. Bilal and, yes, but, but what, what Brother Bilal is saying, uh, Brother Khalid is saying, is, is very important to understand this. The statement in itself, you might say there's no issue with because there's a reality with it, but it's the connotation and it's the insinuation that is behind such a statement that is the insulting aspect, okay? And this is done time and time again. And thank you for raising that, uh, Khalid. But my point is now, we've seen with those who have become Muslim, okay? Uh, yes, the way it said, Brother Muhammad Handan. Thank you for that. Jazakallah khair. What Not just that. Why, why would you ever say that? Why I would never say to a Chinese, but you're the son of a Chinese mother. You know yeah, why? Exactly. Yes, exactly. What's the insinuation? Yeah, exactly. What are you talking about my mom? You know, let me knock you right. out, man. Okay. It, it, exactly. So, Especially in our culture. Go ahead. But at the same time, um, uh, Brother Khalid, when we're looking at black identity and Salafis, many Salafis have internalized that Okay, and you see their behavior in the Arab lands. You see their behavior when they're a minority amongst other more predominant communities. And there's this passivity that comes about, and they bring because of the Dean and Surah Hujurat, tribes and nations, the last sermon of the Prophet. And I'm not <laughs> saying that that's wrong to be bringing that to say, I'm over that, it's water off a, off a duck's back. But it's the passivity that comes with that. And you have to ask yourself, so, okay, where is that Izza? Where is that honor behind who you are in essence, where you emanate from, what you stand for? Because our culture is not erased. And I want to bring something here that, um, and this is from uh, um, a very good book, David Olusogo, uh, Black and British. And he mentioned something, and I use this in one of my, um, my podcasts. And I, I, I gave a subtitle, who were we? What were we? Who are we now? And I quoted from him, centuries of contact with the Islamic states of North Africa and the Middle East had bound the region up with the wider world and trained its rulers in the profitable arts of long distance trade and negotiation. The trans-Saharan trade routes had brought wealth to African societies, but also new ideas and knowledge. Islam had moved southwards with trade caravans. There, in the lands below the Sahara, highly organized, administratively centralized empires had been performed had, had been had performed in modern day nigeria the oyo empire had risen to its west stood the empire of dahomey which dominated much of what is today of the nation of benin the akan peoples in whose territory lay the gold fields of the gold coast had taken control of much of the south and central region of what is today the state of ghana while the ancient empire of Benin had become the paramount power 
in the south of modern Nigeria. That's who we were. That's what we were. And this is something that our black identity doesn't reach back into. And unfortunately, the narrative that has been placed upon us, not just as black Muslims, but as black people in the West, is from the starting point of slavery. And as I keep saying, our history did not start at slavery or start with slavery. It was interrupted by it. So now when you look at us as Muslims and, and Salafia, and this is the thing that I'm going to touch on even more sensitive aspects here. What do our scholars say to us concerning us as black Muslims? I know of narrations, I don't know if it's from you, Khalid, or from other American brothers that I spoke with, that when visiting the Shuyuk, the preponderance of black about um, African-American students of knowledge studying, going and visiting the Shiu, led one sheikh, and I won't mention who it is, to ask, where are the real Americans? And brothers were like, so what, what, what do you mean, sheikh? And said, you know, the white, white Americans, where are they? He said this in a group of African-American brothers. We've seen also in the UK to an extent when British brothers have come, that the scholars have lit up when they've seen a white convert because he is the, uh, the, the, the asal, he's the, the, the indigenous person of the land. Let me put something in corrective, um, a corrective um, statement here now. The first people who traversed the lands of England were not white. They were not white. There's, there's evidence there now. Um, of, I can't remember what he's called, um, the, the name of the, the individual, but they did the DNA on his remains and he was that brown skin, black skin with um, blue, green eyes, woolly hair, okay? I'm not Bog Pete, man, it's someone else. Cheddar Gore, Cheddar Gore, man, okay? The oldest found living um, remains in um, the, the history of the UK. We see Roman times, archaeological um, remains of uh, aristocracy who was black, okay? The wealth was around her, the jewelry and everything like this. So the same with America, the Americas. The indigenous people of the Americas weren't white, blue-eyed, blonde-haired. So when you've got scholars now coming from a construct where they're dealing with Salafis, black Salafis, from a secondary perspective, and also statements that have been said by some of the scholars, not all, that are racist in their connotation, and then we have black brothers making excuses for it. Oh, they're tribal. They don't mean it in a racist way and, and the like. And all of this is coming from black brothers, black Salafis. So you think that subjugated mindset, that passive mindset that has been adopted, which didn't exist pre-conversion, is problematic from a black identity construct perspective. High powered. Uh, there's a couple of things I, that I, I'd like to uh, uh, make that leak on. So one of the things is that, uh, yeah, those are real issues. I've been in gatherings and I've seen things and had something. You know, I mentioned, I think, on our last podcast about actually it was said as a joke. Khalid wants to marry from this tribe. And, and the sheikh was speaking to the, the other sheikh almost as if I wasn't there. Right. You know, it was a joke. You know, it was really us three in the gathering. I don't, you know, and at the sheikh's house, in fact. And then he said, "Oh, basically, our tribe. You know, they don't, they won't marry someone black. That's how they they perceive things." And so that it it, it kind of hurt me that 
you know, kind of, uh, you know, is it just, you know, you feel that, that, that gap and that separation. Mm. On the other hand, I do think Islam, and this is a part of our Islam that we have to make excuses for our brothers. We don't make excuses for racial hatred and so forth, because I don't believe this is out of maliciousness, but we are looking at things from our context. You know, me as an African-American, I'm looking at things quite different than a, a British Pakistani brother in his history of his migrating to the UK and the way he thinks of things. So what he sees and what he articulates from his cultural background, we come from a, you know, I'm from America and our history is, uh, you know, racism is so entrenched and so much a part of, you know, race is such a, uh, a, a potent issue and defines so much, unfortunately. Even I was thinking about that before the podcast. I went to Walmart and I was just thinking most of the people, they're Latino around me and white. And, I, and I'm conscious about everything that the way I was dressing, you know, that maybe some people might be scared, different people, you know. That is how I think. I might not even be correct, but it's because this is the background. We come from everything from the, the, the Mar, you know, from from slavery to Frederick Douglass to you know uh, W. E. B. Du Bois to later day movements like Marcus Garvey to you know from Martin Luther King to Malcolm X. You know, this is our history. The the Black Panther Party. You know, we come from this to the nation and all those other black movements who were some of them trying to find their identity and trying to reinforce their identity that, Hey, we're not subservient. We're not, no, we don't define ourselves by you. We define ourselves by who we are as a history. The problem is their nationalism and they're taken to the level of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the same kind of prejudice and racism, you know, the nation and, and all that stuff. We get, you know, this is outside the scope, but, but the point is, is even though the Mashiach, okay, and those are the most beloved, and they're the most beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you know, you know, Allah has raised them levels, but they are still a product of their surroundings and society. We can't think, I think, only some people who don't know the scholars generally would say that you know they're like angels and that they are you know not human beings who who have influences from their thing yes they judge to the best of their ability by the book and the sunnah but they still have concepts because you know if you've never been to america you don't know anything you've read in a, a few lines in a history book about this thing of course you're gonna you know for them they really believe that uh, and that's a big thing uh, uh that that white is the um the that is what really represents america you know and I, I've been in, you know, I had that related to me too. Guy, when uh, there was a bunch of African-American brothers, they were working, teaching English in Medina. Then a white brother from America came to visit. He just came to visit and he's uneducated everything. I don't know if he finished high school. I don't know. As soon as the, su the supervisor saw him, he almost drooled and dropped everything to the brothers because the brother who was, with, who was there related this to me. He said, now that's an American. Get him here. Tell him to come up. And your brother just, their brother cracked. He just said, oh, my gosh. And I know so many countless stories like that. And I've been asked so many times. I've had sisters ask me, 
please help me, you know, that we're overseas. Please help me find an American. He needs to be white. Please, those kind of people, I, with the kind of the biggest disdain, I, I look at them and just say, you are disgusting, you know? And, you know, whatever, that's maybe my own issue too. But you come to me and you've, you've got this racial profile and I'm a black man too, you know, it just, I don't know, it's weird. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, so, so my point is, is that we we do have to make, you know, I've learned this because you can't, you know, you have to empathize as well as this is what is necessary for people to empathize, to understand one another. You have to empathize, you know, yeah, the Mashiach or whoever, this is what he understands, you know, this is what he, he's just read about things in a textbook or, you know, whatever, as far as what's going on in uh, the, the history of America and the tefasil and living it. He doesn't know uh, professors that had their mother die because of segregation. I had a professor, his mother died because he, she, was, she got rushed to emergency, but the hospital would not accept African-Americans. I remember him relating this to me. So they don't know those kind of details. So you've got to kind of, and their language is, is different. You know, where they look at, I'm going to end on this. They look at, you know, for them, as we know, in the Arab world, it's very important, you know, what's your, your origin? How many times have I people say, they said this to me, Mada Aslik, you know, what's your asl? What is your origin? And at first I used to, but then I saw that they used it some of the people tried to use it to kind of be belittle. So I would always say, and a asli, asli imriki. I would always, they would crack, some of my friends would crack up, but some of the people I would smash because I knew that there was a Durant, they wanted to, you know, really put me in a place. I, I don't have direct ties to Africa in that sense. I can't go to any African nation and they're gonna say, yeah, you are, you know, here's your tribe. No, all I know is America. My grandma, my grandmother's still alive, 94, by the way. Great grandmother. All, the, all we know is America. Okay, yes, we have that. But I also, the funny thing is, have Irish, my great grandmother, who I knew. She was white as snow. We have all kind of in our, in our blood. The point is, what is the point? Is that, uh, you know, these things, we have to be able to, to, to empathize and to contextualize the way people understand uh, and so forth. I kind of got off topic. I'll turn it back over to you because I, no, I, I, okay. I think that's, no, that's very insightful what you shared. I, I would say this, Carlin, there's two points I want to come to, and I've touched upon one of them before previously, but black identity and Salafism are mutually inclusive. And I believe that there needs to be a reset that is done and it's got to start somewhere, and I hope to be one of them if, if, I, if, I, if I can be part of that. But that reset has to be set, that black identity and Salafism are synonymous, okay? They're not mutually exclusive. What do I mean by that? We know what Salafia stands for. We know the authenticity and orthodoxy that Salafia stands for. We know that those who are attached to the Prophet Sallallahu that a lot of their ethnicities, a vast majority of them, were black Sahaba. We know that uh, a wife of the Prophet, after Khadija, uh, I think it's um, Soda, was um, uh, black. Blackness is there in Islam. It's there amongst the ulama. 
unfortunately, there's no referencing or very little referencing to black scholasticism in Salafia. In Sufia, you see it, um, black scholars in Sufia, but with regards to Salafia, it's seldom referenced by scholars. So resetting black identity and Salafia is the same as resetting Arab identity, Asian identity, white identity, identity as a Muslim with Salafia. And why do I highlight equating and making it synonymous? Like we said, Black Lives Matter, the cause, not the movement, was and continues to be highlighted. And the um, example was given when others are saying all lives matter, we are Muslim, we don't make any distinctions. The last sermon, Surah Hujarat, Ayat 13. But then, like we say, if your house is burning down on a street and you are saying to the neighbours and everyone, please help me, my house is burning down. My house matters. And we said to you, no, 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 Dr. Khalid, we all have houses. Our houses matter as well. The point would be, actually, that's true, but your house is not burning down at the moment. Ours is. Mine is. So the focus should be on putting out the fire in my home, my house. If your house catches fire, then we've got to pay attention to it. So what am I saying by this? It's time. It's time to start equating black identity as Salafis with Salafism. And how do we do that? We bring that to prominence within the deen, just like we saw Ibn al-Qayyim or Ibn al-Jazir um, did with regards to um, illuminating the darkness with the Zanj revolt and the way that the black uh, Muslims were feeling in Iraq at the time and um, the book that he wrote, Illuminating the Darkness, um, and extolling the virtues of black people and their greatness and everything, speaking about the MBR that were black and, and basically put in a context and prioritizing this ethnicity, this nation of individuals living in Iraq due to the oppression and subjugation that they were getting at that particular time. Because we've got to remember one thing as well, Brother Carly, that this is, we're, we're in a civilization now that is 500 years plus old post-enlightenment, this imperialist, Western capitalist, um, civilization that we're living in. Predating that, the issues that we're speaking of, of black identity, did not exist. The, the hierarchical eugenics and everything that was done did not exist, did not predate this current imperialist Western hegemonic civilization. And at the bottom of the heap, which was done uh, deliberately, strategically, by this Western um, hegemonic strategy was to commodify blackness. And in commodifying blackness for profit, for sale, for the transatlantic slavery, then hierarchical structures started taking place with the Irish, with other Europeans. And the Arabs were um, then placed in that construct and they accepted it. As I've said previously, when Americans said, you're white, you happen to be white. Some might say, no, it, goes back to the time of the Prophet and where we saw racism emanating there with the old son of a black woman, but that was within a different context to what we're talking about now. So that's the one area that I want to make a statement and pin to the mask that black identity and Salafism and Salafia now needs to be 
placed as a priority with examples, with exhortations, addressing areas of um, incongruence from the scholars, from within black Salafis themselves, I think that's necessary. You may disagree with me that I'll let you come into that, come back on that in a moment. The second thing, you mentioned something earlier on, which I think was very, very significant regarding other groups appealing for, protesting or defending their own ethnicities. And those ethnicities um, and those, those causes happen to be Muslim. And um, so by default, with us as black Muslims, as black Salafis, what cause do we have within the West to defend, protest and raise issue with of black Muslims and black Islam? The, 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 the uh, indication is that there isn't, so that, not by you, but by extension, that George Floyd shouldn't be a cause that we speak about. A black oppression shouldn't be something that we speak about. But then I would say this, Khalid, those who want to proffer such an argument from within black Salafis and non-black Salafis, why is it then that they are ready to take up the call, the argument, bring into Nicene disputes, split our own communities by taking up the causes of scholars that we follow and adhere to. And I've used this term before. There's been a house Negroism that has crept in amongst black Salafis and other Salafis in this instance, but particularly black Salafis. Some, not all, because I don't want to be attacking a lot of our brothers because many of them are not into this. But whatever the shakes causes, the argument, whoever the shape is disparaging, whoever the dispute in the Arab world or elsewhere is taking place, we take up that argument and that cause and ignore all our social issues as socio-cultural, socio-religious, socio-economic issues because we take up the, that human call, that human cry of our particular scholar or scholars and we, we focus on their arguments. And that's something that we've seen happening for decades now. So I called it a house Negroism. I would dare call it a shake Negroism. Negroism. What our shake is upon, we're upon. And any of our own immediate issues, George Floyd, racism, oppression against black people, whatever, that's not an issue. And we will marginalize that, but we will focus on what our sheikh has said and be contacting our sheikh and bringing the arguments and translating edicts and slinging slanging matches between other Salafis that are not on the same thing or with a different sheikh from a different region. That is what has overtaken the Salafi community from a wider identity perspective, when I say wider, within Salafia, and more specifically, elements, pockets of black Salafis. Uh, the, the, this last point you made, I would take exception to because, uh, for one, I, I don't like uh, using those kind of terms uh, and and because uh, then I hear I've heard some brothers that are white brothers use this about so and so uh, what do they call um, uh, house whatever house this I feel like they are appropriating something that's kind of not in their their cultural concept concept and it can be kind of offensive sometimes how it's used I so I don't agree with that because I think we're missing something when we, again your your viewpoint. You're taking a perspective, I think, that's kind of our secular reality or our secular 
um, you know, basically from our background and what, you know, as I, I said in the beginning, we are shaped by our culture. We're shaped by, you know, many of these things influence us and make make us who we are. OK, uh, your experience, your history, your the historic history of your people, what have you, all of those things. They have a shaping of us. You know, they, they're a part of shaping us. They don't necessarily define us. But I think your your view is is coming from that more so than the Islamic perspective. And the reason I say that is because, yes, we know that and many of us have fall, fallen in that, especially if we're overseas and we're not a part of what's going on in on the ground in our particular societies and so forth. We do, of course, take the arguments and take the and get into the controversies. But I don't think I, I, I don't equate that to that to the term that you use, because those things, you know, that that is just, I would say, a fault of the of of our understanding of the religion as far as what we're prioritizing in our dawah. But I wouldn't say that they're sheikh negroes or whatever the term that you use. Uh, I think that is looking at, I feel that's a very negative way of viewing. And I think this is kind of where we have some of the tension with a lot of um, some of our brothers in their understandings because they want to bring so much of their cultural constructs over what we're supposed to be doing with Islam. And I'm not necessarily saying you, but I'm just saying that that vision that, yes, we've seen the countless mistakes of brothers bring in, for example, the Abu Hassan, this is on a micro level, the Abu Hassan Ma'adi and testing the people. What is your view on this guy who doesn't speak English, who doesn't have any effect on your society and you're leaving the society, uh, you know, you're not addressing the uh, what's going on in the ground in your, your, in your society. We we see those 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 major problems that have happened with a lot of the duat uh, in the past, and perhaps some even now. You know, busying the people with controversy. Are you with the Sa'afika? What's your position on this? But I yeah. I don't equate that. I would say those are mistakes in people's understanding their fiqh deen, their understanding in the religion, and that they have to, if they're going to return back to their societies that they have to address the needs. Even the Mashiach are not training us. That is not what I ever understood from the scholars that we were going to echo their arguments. Now, some may kind of emphasize those things, but the bottom line is what I understood from many of the scholars, and they even teach classes like this in Fiqh Dawah and Jamal Islamiyah, even though I, I wasn't a part of that, but I, I, I'm familiar with some of their coursework about how to give Dawah and the Fiqh of Dawah uh, and to the, you know, knowing the audience you're addressing, uh, you know, being able to relate to them under, you know, and speaking to them in a language that they understand. So this is how, anyway, I look at that, that issue, but I think that's a kind of taken a, a kind of harshness in terms. Can and I that, elaborate on that a bit then, Carly? Yeah. I want to like, yeah, in a minute, give me, let me finish a, a couple yeah. other points. So that was one of the issues the uh, the other two points you you made while I have them on on cap you mentioned about black identity and the importance of emphasizing that I think that that is something that yes perhaps uh, others can be a part of but I think really what's going to benefit us and I guess uh, if we say our people in that sense of racial, biracial, or the issues that we have 
as being minorities that are kind of persecuted in our societies or have been the brunt of persecution and what have you, is that they're ultimately, as even secular movements like Marcus Garvey and even the nation and other movements talked about being self-sufficient, building yourself. And that's why those movements, they built, they taught their children. You know, for example, if you know any Muslims that were a part of the nation of Islam or were raised up, uh, you know, even their grandparents or whatever were Garveyites, they know who they are. They have a, a, uh, they never, they don't, you know, when they become Muslim or regardless, they don't have the same uh, outlook. They have a, a sense of self. Like we, we know who we are. We know our history. We know this. We have value. And, 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 and that doesn't even seem logical to anyone to tell me otherwise. Whereas others who may not have that. And that's why I say it's kind of the job of us as community and as parents to deal with these problems because no one's going to deal with black problems. But really, you know, you know what I mean? Yes, we can convey the understanding to others. But as far as identity, if we're not teaching our own children and we're not teaching our then uh, no one else you know what I mean, is, is going to be responsible for that. So that's one of the things I wanted to say. And the other point was, uh, is, is about racism, you know, and that's one of the things, one of, the, you know, some of the scholars, they mention about the, you know, being that first uh, sin, you know, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah about the angels. And he, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَسْجُدُوا Adam, فَسْجُدُوا Adam, فَسَجِدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسِ that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded the malaika to make sujood to Adam. And they made sujood illa iblis, except for iblis, a jinn who refused and, you, and had arrogance, which is those racial traits, that racism, those racist traits. You know, Abba was stakbara. He refused and he became arrogant and and Allah subhanahu wa says and he was one of the disbelievers and Allah subhanahu wa mentions and even when the the malaika initially questioned you know about this uh, uh you know should we make sujood to to someone uh and we uh you know we are totally subservient to you and we uh, you know, and, and these people will commit facade in the land or, or you know, kill people and do stuff, spill blood. And Allah subhanahu wa says, I know that what you don't know. So uh, the point being is that racism we see ha has been there. The Arabs were very good at race, being racist. And we see that from the Hadith, but we see it from way more evidence than that. So I would say, yes, there's a particular construct prior colonialism and, and so forth, but I would say it's still a continuum in a lot of ways that there has been, you know, and we see it from, you know, that literature and out of, I'm sure they had the tribal, uh, the tribalism and racism, you know, where they, they had a hierarchy of, you know, Arabs and particular Arabs, you know, at the higher scale. And you, you, you know, and those are things that probably pre predated Islam, you know, that there were these, Distinguished, mm, yeah. uh, you know, these this kind of racism. So I would say I would argue that uh, that that preexisted. And and one of the things we see, for example, those black nationalists now, and unfortunately Muslims who are kind of 
pushing into that. And some who may even are weak and they leave Islam, but that they're so con, you know, you'll hear from those guys. If you mention, Hey, you know anything about Islam? Nah, you, you follow the Arab religion. You follow this, the Arabs enslave black people, blah, 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 blah. And you try to articulate to them that, Hey, that was not what they were doing. You know, was not necessarily Islamic that they, uh, you know, and the oppression, you know, there was, you know, conditions for everything of how things should be. Things should be according to the book and the sunnah and the understanding of the salaf. But how we practice, unfortunately, was not the case. And 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 a last point in relation to this, although this is later after colonialism, of course, but uh, I remember being in college studying about tipu tip. You know, tipu in, uh, you know, yeah, from uh, he was an Omani, uh, big wealthy slave trader, and I remember seeing a picture of him in in the 1800s or whatever. And he was, you know, as we say, black as midnight. You know, he was very dark, and I was like, wow. You know, I I just couldn't understand how he was. And so, uh, 2019, you know, I was in Tanzania, and I went to Dar, uh, not Dar es Salaam, but uh, the island. Um, I forgot the island anyway, famous island uh, outside of Dar es Salaam. And that's where the slave port and they had the pictures and stuff. And they, they took me on a tour, you know, and how they kept the slaves and how brutal the Arabs were. So as Muslims, they should be. Uh, and we love this argument. Only Islam defeats racism. But it's the practice. We don't see that. That's the problem. That's, you know, we have a, a construct but what we see practiced around the world, we don't see that. It's unfortunate. We see the different levels. It may it's going to differ. Different places. There's going to be different types of racism. And I remember. Uh, so anyway, see, seeing those slave ports and seeing how brutal he used to tip tip and others. They used to march the if the women couldn't uh, do the march, and they were they had their children and they were breastfeeding and stuff. He would say, "You either." carry this load and continue or we're going to kill you. And he would kill the women and probably the children too, obviously just, mm. just, just like that, just beat them to death or whatever. So they were brutal. So we can't say, uh, you know, as some of the people like to glorify and say it was such a pretty, Oh, it's different. Yeah. There was definitely differences between the transatlantic slave trade, the European transatlantic slave trade versus the uh, Arab slave trade. But mostly when you're a slave, it's not a good experience, you know, and it's usually not a very nice thing. But yes, different uh, empires and different places had different types of slavery, no doubt, and different types of treatment. No doubt amongst the Arabs, you did have where you could rise in social mobility. Generally, in a transatlantic slave trade, you, do, you couldn't do that. You were black, you were black. You might become a free slave. You might get sold back into slavery. You might get kidnapped and sold back into slavery you might, you know, all kind of things. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I'll stop there. No, that, that's yeah. not fair, Khalid. I, I, really, I appreciate that. I think yeah. the input you've given again, very insightful, very on point. Coming back to why I've used that term, shape Negroism or house Negroism, and I, I agree with you. You've got many non-black using and misappropriating that term because it it resonates with them. It, 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 they don't have any equivalent in their ethnicity or their cultural um, narratives. And so I agree with you on that. And that's why I feel, as my ethnicity, your ethnicity, I can use this term and I can 
adjust it to a context within Islam because it is what has happened and it is peculiar, I see, to us as Western Salafis who have done this, white and black, but I'm talking about black identity in this, this occasion. So you did have that. You did have communities being split, as you well know, we, you've spoken about Abu Muslimah and the community there and everything. So you've but got- there are real problems too. No, no, okay, but Tad, yes, we know, Tadi, we know that. I'm not talking, I'm not saying about yeah. the problems. That that's another issue in itself. But the point of the matter there therein, then you could say that across all communities. But you had individuals who were unqualified as well, who became mouthpieces because they got um uh superficial endorsement from scholars who didn't know their reality in America and in the UK. And we saw this shake Negroism, which became the predominant narrative. And the other issues affecting the community, black communities in this, in this instance, became secondary, became marginalized, so much extent that we've seen the splits within families and communities today. Moving on to, from that, what you've said, I would agree with from the point of you brought the um, thing about the creation of Adam and, and the, uh, the hustle of racism from the religious um, perspective, which is accurate on point. No one can deny that xenophobia. But you know what, Khalid, speaking on that point there now, I ask, and I've asked you this before, but rudimentary, we haven't gone into detail, but I've asked other students of knowledge, the story of the creation of Adam and Allah speaking about Adam in the Quran and describing his um, con composition in the first instance. You know the Arabic word describes him as altered black mud, okay? Talks about Iblis, the hadith and narrations we have about Iblis, looking at the shell of Adam before the ruh is breathed into him and looking at this complexion and going into this vessel and kicking it before um, the, the ruh is given and life is given into it. And there's no sort of, um, or maybe there's an absence of it. I don't speak Arabic, as you know, I'm very weak in that, that, that field. There's no elucidation around that and other possible reasons for uh, Iblis's resentment of mankind. Was it because he saw a black Adam? And that's one aspect, even though the humankind all comes from Adam. There's an aspect there that's always shut down, even by black students of knowledge, never discussed. Always um, shut down, okay, on, on, when, when that, that's brought up. Where is the elucidation of that? When we know that Adam, the name Adam, um, the, 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 the story of Adam was that he was black in creation. Not from a point of nationalism, Khalid, but a point of what it is. Musa, alayhi salam, being black, the narrations there. The ulama, we know about Mansa Musa. And Mansa Musa didn't come from the Muslims giving the narrations. We hear about it from the non-Muslims. We hear about the homi and Islam and the kingdoms from the non-Muslims. You don't hear the black Muslims or the black Salafis speaking about these things. So that's why I say again, black identity needs to be raised in its priority of being synonymous with Salafism because we know about it from Arabic perspective. We know about of Ahl Hadith in India and the, the South Asian perspective. We know about all of those, but we don't know about it from a black perspective because it is kept subverted. So these areas here, Khalid, as I said, obviously there will be a time, I believe, that once that prominence and that equilibria has been established of narratives regarding culture and identity, 
then if some kept pushing it now, I would be one to say, no, no, stop now. You've gone too far. Um, we've the, the, the narrative, the, the, the playing field has been levelled. There's an equilibrium there now. There's a prominence. There's a sense of self with regards to our historic um, origins within Islam, within, with, within religious orthodoxy, within Salafia. But until that time, Khalid, to stop two polarizations, those Muslims, including some of our Salafi brothers, who are pushing on that, that overly nationalistic sentiment, which is what creeps in is anti-Arabism, anti-Asianism, anti-everything else, and plays into those non-Muslim, pan-African, um, black nationalist narratives. So they become aligned in that, that um, instance. That's one polarization that we need to take the middle ground and kick out against. But on the other side is that silence, that passivity, that subjugation, that shaped Negroism that's on that side saying that's what counts. That's how we have to be as Salafis and black Salafis. We need to shift it back into the middle and place a discernible context around this from a socio-religious perspective. And then I believe we will be emulating the ayah in Surah Hujurat. We have made you into tribes and nations that you may know each other. The best of you um, in the sight of Allah is he or she who has the most taqwa. That's when I believe we will be giving justice or due merit to this particular perspective that we've been discussing today. Yeah, again, I think that that, that role comes from, uh, you know, perhaps an individual, perhaps a communal perspective. As far as emphasizing and having a dars you know, let's talk about, uh, you know, black uh, whatever in history that maybe perhaps in some context that's that has value. I don't know. But I think there's still uh, a priority. And I don't look at that other side, as you said, that was extreme. The other extreme that the pacifists and, and refer to them in a negative light as something negative because there's still the emphasis of the origin of the dean. We're talking about Islam. That's why, you know, that's why I'm not a Garvier. That's not why, that's why I'm not, you know, following Farrakhan's politics or whatever, whatever truth he brings in the, uh, of a social, uh, political analysis. I don't emphasize that because my core focus is about learning and teaching Tawheed, about dying upon Tawheed. So I think, you know, that it, it comes down to priorities. I'm not saying there isn't a role for that. Uh, you know, teaching that history and so forth. That That's important. But how and in what context, I think, is where we're going to differ over. You know, I feel that that, that is up to you in your family. That is up to you in your community so that the people feel a tie and say, whoa, yeah, there were famous black scholars and there was this because, you know, there were people who looked like me. It's possible for me to excel. I do realize that that's important of having figures uh, that, uh, you know, mentors and figures that influence you and encourage you. Wow, somebody like me did this. It's possible. That's very important. To what extent do we emphasize that with the greater community? I'm not sure. But I think, uh, again, that's, again, something that needs to be done. And that's why I don't view it 
still, I don't like those terms at all. And I wouldn't use those terms because I think that's even a, a, you know, the problem is when you take too many of those external terminologies, uh, you know, secular terms and secular ways of, of thinking and you apply it to the dean, this becomes problematic in the over oversimplification. Sim, For example, let's look at how the Tecfides will say, what did Faisal and all those guys coin the scholars for dollars? Um, all of these, the, the Saudi, Salafi, whatever. I mean, all those terminologies. And he used the same term of, you know, House Negro, the Salafis or the House Negroes of King Fahad or, you know, these kind of weird things. That is that, that uh, uh, the adaptation of those secular constructs and trying to fit them and sometimes and very more often than not oversimplifying and using it for a political means uh, in regards to Islam. What's, and that's, that's a good point. Very good and point. Let, me say, let me say one more thing on top of that. And one of the beautiful things that I learned from Sheikh Ibrahim Rahili, and I think this is so important, is and and many other mashaykh, but he used to emphasize this a lot. Is that uh, you know trying your best to restrict the use of uh, the terminologies when you're talking about Islam to Islamic terminologies and Islamic ways of of thinking, and that's the thing when we take that for example, even the exa example the the people I still try to always refrain, even I might say hisbia and stuff like this about certain characters or, or, you know, traits that I might find from certain Dawah organizations that claim to be Salafi or what have you. I refrain from the use of cult, of cult, because I believe that sometimes there's an oversimplification. And this is how most of the lay persons understand, even though it emanated, what's his, uh, the, the brother in the, uh, Qatar, he, uh, you know, who wrote the initial, the cult, uh, Salafi cult, whatever thing, um, that I believe some of the things, and and again, even then, when I read, first saw it, I thought it was a bad uh, the, the the title of his thing. I thought it was bad and and sort of an over uh, oversimplification. Yes, he's talking about certain traits that you find, but you you need to be cautious because when you say a cult, how can a cult really? You know, there's there's so much other traits of a cult that you know, it borders on almost tekfir. You know, there's that, you know, it, it's a bit, it's a bit dangerous. Yes, but there might be traits. You might find this, but, you know, this is the appropriation of using those secular, secular terms. Right. And so, okay. So that's why I say we have to be careful. And this is what a lot of the people use and they distort, you know, that's why they'll say what they say about Salafis. Oh, you, you're a bit, some of the, you know, you're uh, slaves and this is what the sorori say, you're slaves of the leaders. No, Allah said this. The messenger وسلم, said this. The salaf were upon this, but no. And then their contemporary little... But then I would say, Khalid, Jazakallah khair. The reason I think we're going to have to agree to differ on that, because you're talking about bringing Western um, constructs and, and terminologies. I'm going to refer, this is from Malcolm X. Okay, he wasn't a Salafi Muslim or whatever, but he was Muslim. So Malcolm X was the one who coined those terms there. And there's been an adjustment or, or let's say derivation of those terms. But the meaning, I think, sticks, irrespective of whether the enemies of Dao to Salafi are. Since you said that, you brought Malcolm. That's an oversimplification. Malcolm X was talking about 
those people who were accepted in the house. They were literally accepted in the house as a, a slave class, got more privileges versus the field Negroes but who didn't have use that. things. No, see, and they that's true. Rebellion. It's a Carly, bit, that's you know, yeah, yeah, no, but, no, but he used it within a political context as well when he referred to Martin. Yeah. Luther, you know, so this is I'm, so, I'm just talking about Muslims. Why are we? Why are why, we? Why? Okay, so Carly, let me spell. Carly, so let me. I've sp we've spoken about this before. Let me spell this out again. Why okay. is it being brought into this context? Because remember, Malcolm also said, "What did he say when the master said we sit? We, I, I, I'm sick. The, the the house Negro will say." Are we sick, boss? Are we sick? Malcolm spoke about that clearly. It's there on YouTube recording. So let me finish. So, so in that instance there, the scholar says, this sheikh is off and fulan and this and this and this. And the others, the sheikh has said, suddenly that becomes, the sheikh has said, not Quran was sunnah. That, no, not Quran was sunnah wa fahma salaf. The sheikh has spoken. And we've got these comments here. We take whatever I Sheikh says is correct. He cannot be mistaken. We've heard these comments here. We write off and we judge according to this Sheikh. This Sheikh is the Mizan. So let's be clear now. There's where the parallels are drawn in that instance. Okay, that's that. We've got to be very clear on that. Now, what is worse than that? Which I understand what you're saying. You don't like the use of cults. I think Abu Ali Lamont battle. I think he did justice. I speak of cultish tendencies because they are there. The evidences have been brought there. I know that when it was shown to some of the scholars in Riyadh about some of the work there, they said, are you prepared to write a paper on it because of the accuracy, especially when I wrote concerning the Juhayman cult and the parallels that were drawn in the West. If this cult had been in Saudi Arabia, for example, would they be flourishing in the same way that they're flourishing in the West? Allahu alim, I doubt it very much. But so that's there to show that that language and terminology is accurate for those within Salafia. And I believe that's something that has caused um, uh, disintegration in particular communities. But then also, what is worse than that? I understand what you're saying, that this you don't agree with this being used. What is worse than that? Coining new phrases or using Islamic terminology to disparage others. You mentioned a very... Um, profound and accurate statement from the scholar saying we should keep within the realm of using Islamic terminology. But then when you misapply and you abuse that terminology to disparage, and as you said, Musafika and all these new terms that have come up and everything else, and they're flying, these terms are flying around against this group and that group, Musafika and whatever the other names are that are there, and scholars are using it, and you've got others jumping on it, the house Negro in the shape Negroism jumping on because this shake has used those particular terms. That is worse than what you've just highlighted by using a terminology which you say is political and not used by um, um, within the Muslim contract. That is worse using Islamic, Arabic, religious terminology or taking terminology and applying it within a religious context. That's worse and will always be worse. So I think we're going to have to agree to disagree. My thing is, that on the point, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But the point that you've mentioned here about how do we go about placing where, when, how to teach black identity and Salafism within a synonymous context. I think that's a very good question. And I don't think we have the answer. We do need to be making sure that Tawheed, the Sunnah, worship of Allah is at the essence of what we're doing. But if we've got generations coming up or individuals converting to the deen 
And they cannot see themselves within that context of worship because they don't see any relatability because it's so abstract to who they are, where they come from with regards to blackness, with regards to ethnicity, then they will leave the deen as quickly as they've come in, as we've seen, or they may not enter at all. So there needs to be that relatability and not from a passive point of view, not from a lens that, oh, black people are looked at in this level, at this level of the society, even within the um, Muslim community and the name Bilal sticks and he was a Muaddin and he was once a slave and, and that narrative that you and I know proliferates amongst black, black converts when we come to the deen. There needs to be a relatability. There needs to be one where they can see, as you've seen, the status of their ethnicity, our ethnicity in Islam alongside all of the other ethnicities. And it needs to be even more prominent in Salafia, as we know Salafia is Orthodox Islam, is the Haq. Now, I'll leave it at that and I'll let you have the last word to conclude. We don't always agree, mashallah, but I think it's been a, a good conversation on which we can build, inshallah. Yeah, alhamdulillah. So what you, you mentioned, uh, yeah, I think there there's a role and that people, uh, some of the du'at, they're really realizing and actualizing this to a greater or lesser extent. What I mean is that a part of da'wah is that you are, you know, as I said, that fikfi da'wah. You know who you're speaking to. You give them what they can relate to. And like I said, I'm really hyped on what, what I see of the brothers. Uh, for example, they're in Philly in the Muslim Family Center. Uh, Sheikh uh, Abu Sajid and Sheikh um, uh, Ali Davis. I really love what they're doing and others. And and even Sheikh Fahir and what he's teaching, he's teaching books like Wasatiyah, but he's teaching to the, his qom, to those right. people. Right. In the tool that they can understand and relating and dealing with their issues. That is so yes. important. That is yes. the role of a guy. If Absolutely. I was in student of knowledge, I need to go back to Bosnia. And I had a particular community in Bosnia that had particular issues. I need to go back as a type of medicine to address it. This is what I learned from the Mashiach. Right. This is what I, those who explore these topics of Dawah. So that's why it's so important uh, to emphasize and do that on a micro level. Even just the other day, I was talking about the fact that I was going to do this podcast to a brother who is a new Muslim. He is still a gang member. He's a, what, 60 street Crip, anyway, whatever they call, uh, you know, in L.A., he still identifies as that, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and all of his other identity. So what I emphasize to him is that whatever you may experience in the future, you know, understand that Islam, you know, it's the Quran and the Sunnah and the understanding of those of the Sahaba that you may hear and you may see things from some of your brothers and sisters. They may not accept you even but don't let that in, discourage you to a greater or lesser extent but the point is if i was in a role of course i would teach the people who understand me okay I, you know i i would teach i would hopefully be able to go to a community that needs what i can hopefully provide and deal with right. their needs regardless of what races are there you need to be able to speak to their language if i all of a sudden got a role and i was going to a predominantly Pakistani community in America, they probably more than likely would not accept me. It would be hard for them to, you know, there's a possibility. It depends on their, their level, but generally they're going to want one of their, 
people who have studied in their particular school of thought. I mean, meaning if they're if they're a community that's deal Bundy influence or whatever. Mm. The point is, is you need to be able to relate to your people. So my thing and going back to our discussion is that is a part of that giving that that dawa in raising up your community. If you are uh, if I go and I have a role and it's predominantly a Somali community, well, I'm going to try to do two things. One thing is learn examples to be able to talk to them in that which they understand in the context. Of course, they're in America. They're probably second generations. Those are the ones who are going to be in the class, the Kitab Torahid and stuff like this. So they're like kind of African-American kids, the way they've, you know, that that's who they mix it. But they also have other aspects of their identity. I'm going right. to touch on that. And I'm also going to touch on things to help them not discriminate against their brothers, because I see that as a problem too. You know, to, to so so that's what I'm saying is, you know, but if you had a community and they're worth deemed, for example, if I had the opportunity to teach in a worth deemed community, I would love that because I could raise them, inshallah, bringing them closer to the book and the sunnah right. and hopefully the language that they would, you know, I can speak different languages, if you will, like a way that they can relate, you know, and understanding what kind of their mentality and their cultural background and how they're going to deal with things and hopefully steer it closer to the sunnah. And that is also, and then, so that might be more appropriate to have a class about, oh, here's, you know, this is a class about black Sahaba or, you know, black achievements throughout, you know, it may be more monastic, more useful for them, but not in another community where it may right. seem like isolating or they may not, you know, or you understand, and that's thick, and I think we both would agree on that, on how, you know, all of those things, the practicality of this. Um, you know, there's still a lot of unanswered question, obviously, uh, as we touched on the Black Lives Matter and, and all kind of other issues on how we can address, how we, how we function as Muslim minorities in dealing with these, these very controversial topics, but also how they relate in the concept of Islam and to what extent. <clears throat> so, you know, these are, these are a lot of, uh, uh, pretty in-depth topics still vehemently disagree with using the, the house Negro term. I don't like to use that. And I don't even like to use any of those terms, uh, in, uh, with non, uh, African-American people. And on top of that, even among, you know, you know, in, in the context, I don't like to feed, people uh and and uh, i don't know i think you you understand what i what i'm saying but but especially in that i think we have to be careful with any times of of oversimplifying things and making those parallels of course there's many parallels you could make between many things but is it appropriate because we see some people blind following mashaikh you know and we know there's a lot of extreme Sufis wait on another level. They worship them. They cry when they see their picture. They cry when they think about them. They sit with the lights off and, and reflect upon them. Do we use that same term? No. Yes. We, we yes. say that's extreme. Well, I would say, I, I, I say we don't because it's even, it's even it has a greater, uh, if we look at it in the Islamic thing, they, they, it, it's already, Islam has already defined that, that, that's, that they've, some of those people have gone to shirk. You know, because they worship their shaykh. Yeah, they want to context, no, you're, what you're saying is correct. What, what, let me qualify. When so in the in, in the cons on in the context that yes, 
There is shirk. That's the, that's the major thing. That's the major thing. We cannot even creep into the definitions that have been given there. But the parallels that can be drawn, even if it's the Sufis, even if it's another denomination within the Muslim um, communities, if they have made a sheikh or anything other than the Quran was Sunnah, the reference point that is the core, the, the, call, the clarion call, the emphasis, the priority that, that, that is the, the measuring and battering ram for their lives in their communities on others to the detriment of the deen, then yes, that parallel and that construct applies. I've looked at this very carefully. So we will, we will, have, we will have to agree. We will have to agree to differ. It's the Asa bin Blind following the scholars of Latin about history and century. Why no, would we? Mutaasib and blind following. Hold on. Mutaasib and blind following. There's that. There is that. There is that. Mutaasib and blind following. But what I've seen within the Salafis yeah. as well, we yeah, we like don't. But we but we're not using that, Khalid. Some of us have a very mild way when we want to criticize our brothers. Okay. Some of us have a very harsh way. When we're looking at it from a a, a point of construct. Okay. I cannot not see how what I've bought here and previously does not fit. It's one that I think sits neatly into this specific context because it's something that you and I have knowledge of, have witnessed it, have experienced it. And maybe it sits uncomfortable in the same way you don't like using the term cult. I've been using the term cult for the last over 20 years. And 20 years ago, others were saying, even students, senior students of knowledge and my teachers, you can't use that. Now they're all saying, you're right. The use of terms cult in this instant for this organization, for this group was correct. This is from students of knowledge. This is from the sheikhs that I've spoken to. And this is from other laymen. Now, I'm not someone who has insight and I'm a person of knowledge or whatever, but within our own environmental construct and context, should I say, sorry, I know what I'm talking about. So this parallel, and I'm talking from a UK perspective specifically, and by extension to those who are attached and affiliated and doing the same thing, it's the house Negro, shape Negroism. And that's not accusing the sheikhs in that instance. There've been some who have furthered that, who have fueled that. <laughs> But it's those who are going to them and using them and and le letting themselves be used to come back and wreak havoc in their communities. The sheikh said, the sheikh said, the sheikh jumped. I'm jumping this side. If you don't do by the sheikh, you are off. You're this, you're that. Divorce your wife, divorce your husband, such and such. House Negroism, stroke, sheikh Negroism. You and me will end on a note where we disagree. But I'm firmly, firmly on that definition and those parallels. Let me say something on, on, on an ending note as well. That uh, the, the problem is, again, the Prophet said, uh, Say something good or keep silent. When we look at using these kind of terms that are un-Islamic terms to apply to an Islamic situation, meaning a, a situation that we're dealing with, Islamically or in, in Islamic, you know, you understand with Islamic constructs. OK, we're talking about brothers or sisters or whatever, having his traits. OK, having uh, partisan tra traits, blind following and this and that and the other. 
let's look at this. Okay, let's say if we, we agreed on this term, whether we agree about it or not. But the, the thing that's problematic is, as with anything, the constituency, that their understanding. When you coin this phrase and they say, Dr. Abdul-Haq Baker says, Sheikh Negroism. You know, most of the people, a significant part of the people are not going to understand the context. The usage after that, you will have your brother Haji guy and others using this term in a very, uh, using it to in the wrong light. We do have to be cognizant about what we spread because no doubt, regardless of how you might view yourself, you are in a position of doubt. I can't mm-hmm. say, I can't go, I can't be teaching Kitab People look at me in a certain light. I have to articulate things and restrain things. There are certain things I may use in a private gathering. I would not use in a public gathering. Is that hypocrisy? No, no. it's not. That's Islam. That's fiqh. The Prophet didn't share everything. You know, his sunnah is there, but there are things that were private or restricted to him, sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi so a part of that understanding that fiqh deen is that there may be terminologies, things that we, you and I can privately say, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I might not agree or whatever. But when you put that out there, many of the people will misunderstand and take that because that is a, it's an easy way to make that blanket thing to coin that as the new thing. And then you'll have all kinds of people using that term. I don't like it. it. I feel something. And that's what I, I said to my students once. This is also real and this relates. Mm. It's happened more than once in Saudi Arabia, but in Yemen. And I remember this. I'll never forget this. Beautiful brother. I love him. Youngster. I was teaching English. Okay. In Aden. Okay. I'm teaching. And he said, oh, Mr. Green, teacher Usted or whatever. He said, how are the American niggers? You know, and I just, I stopped the class, you know, time stopped practically. I said, listen, I said, that word right there is enough to cause a war. I said, how many people have died in the, you know, I just gave him a big lecture. But see, I understood. That's the point. Even those terminologies, those ways of the Mishayak saying their things. I understood he knew nothing. He only knew because they listened to a little bit of hip hop and they know that Snoop says it, Pac says it, these guys say it. So they thought, you know, in the movies say it. So they thought that it was okay. And that's exactly what he said. He he was total innocence. He saw me as his brother. There was no issue. But I had to clarify, say in our context, I said, when you say that word, blood, blood just dripped from my ears. There was some blood in Oh, dang, is it on my shirt and my pants? Because that's that's the blood right there. And so my point is, is that is how heavy. So I don't, you know, I'll always cringe when I hear, uh, uh, even if he's my Muslim brother, I've heard some brothers, they get so casual with you, they might use certain terms and you're kind of like, ah, bruh, I love you, man. We eat, we'll fight together, we'll do whatever we got to do together. You're my brother. But that because you are European and you have, that's kind of like a thing you can't really, I'm not feeling that. You know, that's kind of a, it took a chunk out, you know, it cut me a little bit, you know? So that is, um, my point is, is to not feed those, those, uh, you know, to put those things out there. 
because it gets coined. And I know you're going to maybe say, or at least you can, we can understand I'm not responsible for them, but you kind of are because you are in a position of dowel. People are listening to you. And if they see that this is the Dr. Abdul Haq Baker says, there are uh Sheikh, this is a new, they're going to, the, the, the Hezbis and the others, they love that. And so, so the good point. So, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a point of putting those things out there and being cautious. Again, I think it, you know, it needs another, it needs further investigation to see those parallels. That's something you could write an article about and, you know, we can look at it. And we will, Khalid, we will do. But what I would say is that, and Jazakallah here for for the the concern and everything, I'm very cognizant of when and what I'm saying. Sorry for running over time, but go ahead, doctor. Yeah, so yeah, I'm going to conclude. I'm very, okay. cognizant, I'm, very, I'm very cognizant of what I say and when I've said it. And as I've said, 20 years ago, when I was talking about cultism and culture's tendencies, yeah. 20 years ago, when I made a stance and put out a public statement to defend my community at post 9-11 and the barrage that came from the Takfiris and other Muslims, and how, I'm not saying I, I don't have the insight, I don't have a, a foresight or any sort of, sort of like gift in that particular instance. But when I look at the realities that I've experienced, that I've studied, I'm very clear. I'm not bringing no catchphrase or anything like that. But what I've said to you and what I've said, I stand by what I'm saying here. And I, you've spoken very, very vociferously on why you're uncomfortable but we speak in the language that people understand. And what I would say is this, Khalid, to those it's addressing, I would ask that you speak to them and look at their lexicon and their vocabulary, which has been to bastardize aspects of Salafia and practice a bastardized form of Salafia, which has been looked at as the norm now, by those who attack us, and by those some some who are joining Salafia and realizing later on, this hybridized, bastardized version is not the type that is should be practiced in the way that this cult are practicing it. So I would say attention needs to be given to that small but very vocal and and. I would say insignificant and others would say significant group. They've made themselves significant and not a terminology that I bought that runs parallel and clearly elucidates in simple terms, layman's terms, what they have done in the West to the communities that they herald, they emanate from. Mm. And I'm going to conclude, and I'll let you have the last word, inshallah. Okay. And that's what I'm saying. Look at that language, language. Oi, oi. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and that's what, I, that's what I'm saying, is the problem is when we come up with new terminologies instead of really restricting ourselves, because we're talking about the dean, that, for example, if I, when people ask me, you know, now it's no mystery, because I used to avoid that topic and so forth, about S-pubs. I say, okay that I believe that, you know, over their history and without getting into too many details, that they have given a lot of, you know, they've taught a lot of good books and put people in touch with scholars. And, you know, there's a lot of those benefits. There's also the negative because they were running wild on steroids. 
with wrong, uh, you know, many mistakes, mistakes and issues of his via. I would say they made mistakes. There was this blind following. There's, you know, many issues. And that's going to depend upon the individual, uh, you know, and individuals reflecting the organization, talking about them in those ways. That's just a case study. But when we use terms, as you just said, bastardized Salafism, what the layperson hears, they hear Salafis are bastards. That's what they hear. No, they, no, 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 I know. I know you're not saying that, but this is what they hear. Don't think most people cannot. No, people don't listen. I give lectures all the time. What do you know? in English and whatever people understand, they understand their own. Um, they, they hear what they want to hear and they look how many cut and paste videos there are. Look how many people saying this and that, you know, people and the questions you'll get, you know, you say Tawheed is three uh, things. Someone will understand from that. Are you saying that the Sahaba didn't understand Tawheed? Are you understanding that? Da, 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 did the Sahaba say that? You know, people, they hear what they want to hear. Oh, are you making tech fear of all the other ummah? Literally people, they come up with, so much strange top wheels. So you have to be mindful of the audience in general. So that's today, why it hasn't we're... happened, Khalid. Today no, no, no. I've used this term many times over no, no, the years. Yeah, and yeah, today yeah. it hasn't happened. Jamil, Jamil, I'm not even talking specifically. I'm saying that's why I wouldn't use those kind of terms because I don't believe there's a such thing as bastardized Salafism. I believe there are people who call themselves Salafis and they're not Salafis. Plain and simple. What is the term? How many people? Are we, we're British. We're from, you're American. We speak English language. This is the thing now. Yeah. The doctor's lab and how we're com com communicating. Okay. We've got to stop getting tripping ourselves up. Where where there's terminology used in Arabic and everything, and some don't understand it, and we're okay, and we're quite mild with those who use those languages, even though they're using it to abuse and disparage others. The term bastardization, hybridization, house Negroism. These are phrases linguistically that are known okay and if what we've got to do we've got to keep it real brother Khalid and I'm not saying you're not keeping it real but what I'm saying quite frankly here this terminology okay this terminology here is very very clear and I'll say now if you look at my works you look at my writings you look at what I've been doing over the years not a single individual has come and misconstrued and said oh he said Salafis are bastard this is uh, unless it's a simpleton. I just unless gave you a, unless it's, so, yeah. let me finish. That's an example. But uh, uh, so um, the house Negro um, uh, simile, simile, simile that I've given, I've seen others. Yes, we actually understand that because that has happened in our community. So what I'm saying, Khalid, when we're speaking hypothetically, which I understand what you're saying, and when we're speaking for a lens of because this is what happened to Salafis as well. I want to speak and say the right thing so no one can attack me, no one can misconstrue, and I'm always clarifying everything I've said just so there's not that can be that can be endless. Yeah, that can be endless. So I'm speaking from my perspective. Everything I've said here is nuanced. I back what I'm saying. Hybridization, bastardization. When you look at these terms here and what they mean, it shows it's a distortion from the essence. It's a derivative from the asal, from the origin. This is very clear in the, the vernacular of the English language for a teenager, a child, up to adulthood. So I'm, I, I will conclude on that. On what I've said, the terminology I've used, you, could, you and me, I don't come from a passionate, personal 
perspective with grudges. This doctor's lab, we always bring evidence to defend what we're speaking about and everything. I stand by it. The terminology that I've used from a, from a Western perspective, from a, from a coming, being a Salafi from the West, emanating from the West, and using a Western terminology for those in the West to understand, whereas these other indiv individuals have brought alien Arabic terminology and blown them up, which people don't understand, and they've just run riot with them. So we've gone for a long time here, and if we need to continue this in, in two weeks, we can yeah. Inshallah. Last five seconds, Hassan. So <laughs> all I'm saying is, the Arabic is the asl as far as the religious terms because it's it's coming back from the religion. That's number one. So using Arabic terms is going to be better, mostly with the deen. Articulating the meaning of those Arabic terms, as long as they're accurate, they're with the deen, to the English audience. This is beautiful. But we got, we got to just be careful about those terms. The second point is, if we say that the, it almost implies that Salafiyah is nuanced that, that we can go with Yasser Qadi and before him the Orientalists who say Salafi Jihadi, Salafi Tekfiri, Salafi Tabliki, Salafi poli Political. You know, it, it has this thing that's for another time. May Allah <laughs> bless all the listeners, protect us all, preserve us all, forgive us. Forgive us, Hassan, for running over time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.